What's up, everybody? This is Coach Allie. We are continuing on this week with our Pageant Newbie series. This is the third week that we are doing the series. This week, we're going to talk about what your expectations should be going into your first pageant. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Powerhouse Podcast, hosted by sisters, former Miss Nebraska's, and a Miss Nebraska USA, and expert coaches Allie Swanson Mancuso and Megan Swanson Rose. Every Tuesday, we bring you a life-changing, challenging, and activating episode to help high-achieving women win their pageants, massively transform their mindsets, and dominate all aspects of life, including elements both inside and what most consider traditionally as areas outside of pageantry. Allie and Megan coach high-achieving women in all 50 states and beyond, and live to see women conquer their dreams. If you're not already part of our Powerhouse Club, join the fastest-growing group of winning pageant queens on the planet linked in the show notes every single week now let's get on to this week's episode hello everybody welcome to this week's episode of the powerhouse podcast i am coach ali and this week is the third week of our pageant newbie series titled what am i getting into what to expect in my first pageant So I really, really love that we're doing this topic because a lot of the comments that we get, we get a lot of people that listen to our podcast, right? We get pageant newbies who have absolutely no idea what they're doing. Maybe you're a teen or even heck you're in your twenties or thirties and you're doing a pageant for the first time, all power to you. We want to create resources for you as well as the pageant competitor who's been around the block maybe placed, you know, top 15, top 10, top five, never won, and everybody in between. Or maybe you are just switching to a new pageant system because you aged out of another one and you might feel like a newbie competing in another pageant system. So the first thing I'll say is because this is the third week, make sure you go back and listen to weeks one and two, where we outlined various different pageant systems so you can find your fit, so to speak. And then the second week in this podcast series, specifically for newbies, was all about your platform and a little bit of paperwork. So make sure you listen to those two weeks as a foundation before we get into this today. But if you've done that and you are here listening to this week, uh, we're going to go over basically different areas that are common in lots of different pageants. So I will preface this with A lot of the end ones on here, I'm going to end going into talent pitch or a personal platform promise. Some pageant systems call that an introduction, or basically you have to speak for a certain amount of time and it's not your onstage question. I'm going to go into that very briefly because I know not every pageant system has that portion of competition. So talent, a pitch is more Miss America organization. Talent, obviously, now is Miss America Volunteer. Personal platform promise comes through in organizations like the Miss United States organization. And then we also have a fun fashion optionals and national costume. So again, not every single pageant system has a national costume option or something called optionals where sometimes it's judged, sometimes it's not. And it's just another opportunity for you to oftentimes strut your stuff in in some outfit, whatever the parameters are for that pageant in front of the judges. So we're going to hit on the main areas of competition because again, this is a newbie series. And if you find yourself 
somehow feeling like a newbie, even if you have competed in a pageant before, that's okay. These are always good refreshers for anybody who is brand new or been around the block. So again, we're going to talk about how do I prepare for my first pageant? It's kind of the theme of all three of this or all three of these weeks and the theme of this pageant newbie series. So what are you getting into? What should you expect in your first pageant? Uh, I want to explain those different areas of competition and give you at least one takeaway that you can hopefully implement into your pageant prep, regardless of where you're at. If you're four weeks out, if you are a year out, if you are six months out, doesn't matter. These principles are things that we at Powerhouse really believe to be true, tried and true, and have worked for Megan and myself in our pageant journeys. So without further ado, the first one I want to talk about here today is your personal interview. Now, there are several other episodes of the Powerhouse podcast where we have done a whole podcast just on your interview. Many, many, many. So make sure you search our repertoire and go back and listen to those if you want the ins and outs, tips and tricks. And if you're a type of person where you do know that the pageant is one in an interview, which is where, um, well, a lot of people say that all the time. We say that it's where you can share your heart, share your mission, share your platform, share your stories, really who you are with the judges. And the personal interview is something that you should be spending a predominant amount of your time prepping for. Because if you can't talk, if you can't explain who you are, you don't know what you bring to the table. You don't know what makes you unique. How is somebody else supposed to connect those dots for you if you yourself have not spent the time to connect those dots prior to that exact interview? And to be honest, everybody watching, it's or everybody watching or listening, depending on which platform, it doesn't matter necessarily if it's a two-minute interview, three-minute interview, nine-minute interview, 10, 12. I think that's the longest, well, some pageant systems now actually are like 15, but you you can have a different time frame, right? And there's obviously different strategies for preparing for a two-minute interview, which is very, very short, very brief compared to 15 minutes where you actually really can have long conversations with somebody. So the basic, the base of regardless if it's two minutes or 15 minutes or anywhere in between is that you have to be yourself. You have to know yourself at a deep level. You have to have the experiences in your life that challenge you in a way where you begin to take strides to understand your tendencies, know what you like, what you dislike, what you're passionate about, what your ambitions are, where your hard lines are. And what I mean by that is where do you have a personal boundary in your life? Um, Let your no be no and your yes be yes, so to speak. A lot of girls don't know how to communicate that in their own lives. And You might be like, Ali, why the heck are you talking about that? That's like life lesson mode. Well, in a lot of instances, you discovering who you are as a person relates to your mindset and personal development. So if you are a pageant newbie listening to this today and you've never really gone on a journey of self-discovery, I want to really encourage you to start that journey. It is a tremendous thing. It's a beautiful thing. And to all of our listeners, my deepest hope is that you never stop growing in your personal journey. That is a pillar of mine that I live my life by. My husband and I, we try to do that as a couple, as a family. And I do that with my sister as well in us leading our company together. And I think 
personal development allows you to not to use this phrase, but to die to self a little bit and to tap into that humility where, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to act like I do. I'm not going to act like a know-it-all and I'm not always going to be right. I'm not always going to be acting in the right because all of us only act upon our own scope, our own lens that we see the world. And that's no different in pageants. Randomly, honestly, in, in this field, girls get this notion that, oh, I can do it all and I can do it all by myself. And I know all the answers and I have to appear as this stuck up expert that's all put together. And if somebody asks me a question that I don't know, it's going to break apart, you know, and just this fallacy that's created of perfection when that couldn't be further from the truth. And again, you might be like, Ali, I thought we were talking about personal interview. Why are you going off on this? Well, because it's really, really important above anything else that I could ever teach you on this podcast about different areas of competition that you know yourself, that you know who you are, that you know who you were created to be. And to come to the understanding that that's okay, that it's a journey. It's okay if you are, you know, 15, 20, 25 listening to this and you're like, well, I've changed my degree a couple of times. I've, if you're in college, I have changed my career a couple of times. I am not married yet. You know, I, I don't necessarily have this hard and fast plan for what my life is going to turn out to be, but you can know what you're passionate about. You can know what your strengths are. You can choose to learn from those failures in your past and your experiences that have molded you and shaped you into the person you are today. So bringing that to a close, so I can actually get to talk about what we are here to talk about here today, go on a journey of personal development and self-discovery. And it doesn't have to be all the bells and whistles that you see in movies where people make it weird. It's just honestly asking yourself really key questions, read a book about it, spend some time alone off of a screen where you're thinking and you are in tune with your emotions about how things make you feel, how people make you feel. And I guarantee you that if you spend time in the quiet place and pour into yourself, your anxiety is going to decrease, your depression might decrease, and you're going to really begin to hear that inner voice inside of you that's trying to help guide you through your life, right? And you're going to discover what makes me happy, what brings me joy in my life, what what things in my life are positively pouring into me. And then maybe underneath all of that, there's a platform there because I like to ask my clients, what problem were you born? What problem were you put on this earth to solve or born to solve is where I was going the first time. And that's a big question. It's supposed to be a big question. But when you are discovering what your platform is and what you're passionate about in life, I believe that every single person has a unique outlook. I don't care if you have the same platform as somebody else. I don't care if you are both blonde hair, tall, blue eyes like me. And, you know, there's another girl in your patent system that looks exactly like you. You guys might have the same platform. You guys might have the same talent, whatever it is. You two are not the same person. And I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I feel like just going off on this rant, you are uniquely and wonderfully made. And your voice matters, your lens on the world matters, how you communicate and who you're communicating to matter. You are an influence maker and a difference maker in the people's lives around you. And if anyone in your life is making you feel unimportant, devalued, or anything like that, maybe it's time to look at cutting them out of your life. But when you spend that time and pour into yourself, you discover who you are at a deeper level. And that is so invigorating and so fun. So pivoting this back to personal interview, once you have that understanding, a deeper understanding 
or you can communicate with conviction. Hey, when you ask me three words to describe myself, I'm not just saying something that I prepared to give a candid response, but I'm saying, no, this is legitimately who I am because I know who I am at my deepest, deepest level because I've spent time to figure it out. I didn't just spend time to figure it out to fill up my bio sheet and submit it because it was due Friday. And then I started doing this Friday morning and then I called it good, right? No, I'm, I'm making it a point to, to spend time in the quiet place, reading, meditating, praying, whatever that means to you, journaling, listening to music. And I would even argue I'm, I'm a musician guys, but sometimes unplugging and just literally sitting in silence with your thoughts can be a little scary at first, but it's also a really healing thing to, allow yourself to flow in that state. But communicating with conviction starts there. These great communicators that win Miss USA, Miss America, Miss whatever, didn't just snap their fingers one day and decide to do something and decide to be a good communicator or decide to have an amazing brand. They put in the work, they put in the time because they they see the outcome and they make the steps to get there. So newbies listening to this, First step, if you're competing for a pageant, I would say is personal development and get some mindset work in because the more you know who you are at the deeper level, the easier it's going to be to communicate who you are, what you're about, what your passions are to your judging panel. So in that personal interview, be yourself. With that foundation, it's way easier than trying to make something up. And let me tell you from a judging perspective, you can 100% sniff out if somebody is rehearsed, if there's inner healing that needs to happen or inner wounds that you maybe subconsciously are communicating because you haven't dealt with them and you're trying to put up a facade or a glass wall in front. It's very, very easy to sniff out if you are a mature judge and you've kind of been in the gambit a little bit, or you're just maybe a business professional and you interview a lot of people or you have good people skills authenticity cannot be faked. And so I, um, employ all of you. I I want all of you listening to this to really start to understand who you are at a deep level and let that flow into your interview. Now, practically, what does this mean? Okay. I gave you that big foundation. I don't know how long I just talked about that, but big, big foundation, right? How do you do that in your interview? Well, it starts by sharing your stories. What a pageant interview actually is, is a judge looking at your paperwork oftentimes and asking you questions about what you wrote. That's why it's so important to do that self-discovery before you write things down on the page, because if you don't know why you wrote those things down, or you don't have a personal story that connects to that item, your interview is going to feel disconnected because they'll ask you about, oh, why did you put diligent on your paperwork as three words. And you're like, well, I, I, cause I feel like I'm diligent, you know, I'm detail oriented in my day-to-day life. And, you know, I, I just like being organized. Did I learn something about you in that process? No, no. Right. Compared to, okay. If three words making this up off the top of my head guys, but if I just said like vigorous driven and pivoter or something, right. To describe me, those would be really intriguing words from a judge. I'd be like, why did you put pivoter? instantly go into a story. Well, when I was 21, I had this happen to me. And when the whole world was against me, I decided to pick myself up from my bootstraps and decide to succeed and pour into my business and pour into like, whatever, I'm just making up the story, but it might be a hook word to get you into another story where you want to go. So 
But all that is, is sharing your personal experience and sharing your story as to why you are a good fit for this title. Because at the end of the day, the pageant, regardless of which one it is, is looking for a good brand ambassador and or good employee if your pageant system employs you at the national level or the state level. And those are really important perspectives to understand before walking into your personal interview. But all it is really is people asking you about you. So you need to get comfortable with people asking you about you and you talking about yourself. That's a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people to do. Most people cannot talk about themselves. Most people have not done the work in the quiet place to to understand who they are, to even know what their strengths and weaknesses are, to know what the bottlenecks are in their personal growth and personal development. That's an uncomfortable feeling to work through that because it means you have to have those hard conversations with yourself, set boundaries and have accountability. And it matures you to go through that process. So but in, in a summary of what a personal interview is, Basically, you're telling a judge why you want to be the title holder and or why you are a good fit for that title. Oftentimes, it's relating back to your platform. So why I need a national, this national title holder or um, why I need this national title to increase blood donation globally, to increase pediatric cancer awareness globally. Like, why do you need the system and the national title and how is that going to promote your message on a greater scale than what you are doing currently. And the last thing I'll say on this, which is a little bit about paperwork and a little bit about platform is don't be the girl that says, oh, I have to have the title to get this done. Walk in the interview room, already have done the things and done the service and partnered with the organizations and have the hours to back it up and have the stories to share from. It makes you speak from a position of authority and experience and power rather than, oh, well, I need the title to do this. And my hope is that I'm going to partner with this person because that comes across as, well, you know, you haven't done it up to this point. So I I don't believe that you actually will. And most of the times I would say judges don't pick women who, uh, women or girls, depending on your division, who communicate in that way. Now, qualifier. I'm not asking an eight-year-old to talk like that because obviously there's like, there is a differentiator, right? If you are in a little miss division or a junior's division, and we're talking about like six to 12 year olds or something like that, obviously you can't talk about my career job as a blah, 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 or my family. Like, no, talk about the experience that you know, but depending on your age, I feel like there's always appropriate experiences that you can schedule in to grow your mindset, grow your vision, experience new cultures, experience new things. And that relates to a lot of people because again, your one perspective on the world does not relate to everybody. You can't communicate that way to everybody. And it's not right to everybody because that's subjective. So I want to really challenge you guys there. And I communicated a lot about interview because it is the most important part of your interview. I will say this time blue in the face. You cannot bomb your interview and still win. Um, I'm sure that's happened ironically in different pageant systems, probably to people who have competed in um, various systems before, and then they know how to turn it on in the other areas, but interviews where you prove who you are. And if you can't do that, then in my humble opinion, a judge will not pick you. Okay. Next area of competition is swimsuit and fitness. So the biggest thing here guys is to plan ahead So, and also plan in your failures a little bit. What do I mean by that? So fitness, health, and nutrition can be very, very intimidating to to a lot of people, excuse me. 
And the reason for that is our system, specifically in America, and I'm not going to rant on this, but our system in America, it has set you up for failure. It really has between fast food restaurants, between habits that were set by your parents for you. And that's no knock on your parents. It's just, we are not, we are not formed to be healthy individuals in what we eat, the vitamins we take, the types of foods we're eating and our fitness level. We're just seeing perfect people on social media and we don't talk about the health journey. Now it's definitely gotten better, but I want you to have an honest assessment with where you're at in your life and where are the areas that you can take a step forward in health. Now I train my clients on the seven um, F framework. And basically that's five or uh, seven, I said five, seven different areas that start with an F in your life between family, between fun, between fitness, um, financials, all of that, that can create mindset health and overall health in your life. It's not just, do you eat right? Do you go to the gym? And the reason why I'm hitting on that, so to speak, is because when you have a healthy mindset, this process of health and fitness does get easier because you're not stressed out about the other things. Now, obviously every situation is very particular to you and your journey, how old you are, you know, how financially savvy you are, the resources you have available. Um, and I'm not trying to downgrade that, but when we're going on that personal development journey, right, it's a great thing to check in with those seven F's and see where do I measure up? Where can I grow a little bit? Or where do I not really have knowledge in? And I need to incorporate a coach into my life or a mentor where I can learn new tips and strategies to grow. So that's step one. Now as a fitness level or on a fitness level, I'm a fitness instructor and I love health and fitness. I've tried various fitness routines everything from the group fitness classes to just joining a membership at my local gym. I, I teach Spanga fitness right now. I used to teach bar and there's no one diet that works. There's no one specific workout that works for every single body. And people hate when I say that, but that is the honest truth. Every single person, the girls listening to this or watching this right now, you all have a different body type. You're different ages. You have access to different foods. You have different financial um, capabilities, and that's going to be reflected in the plan that should be written for you or the plan that you follow. Now, there are, there are health truths overall, like you should move your body every day or try to, you should drink your body weight. in I think it's ounces. I'm <laughs> not a science or medical person. So I think that's right. But like I, I drink, I can easily drink, not easily. It's hard for me, but I should drink a gallon of water every single day because of how tall I am. I'm six, two, for those of you who are new to listening to the power of podcast and never met me in person, I'm six, two Megan, six foot. So I always joke that a gallon of water fits down one of my legs. <laughs> um, and so I think it's important to tailor a fitness routine and workout routine and, and health and nutrition routine that really works for you. Maybe you work eight to five every single day and you sit at your desk and you might have to work harder to stand up every hour and do a lap around your office or keep the blood flow moving because your sedentary eight to five um, lifestyle is going to be different than somebody who is younger and is hopping from thing to thing and, and can take those walks outside. Right. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. I've seen it done and it's important to partner with people who can help hold you accountable and create those plans. So if you are interested in resources for creating plans like that, we do uh, have different partners that we're uh, working with here at Powerhouse that I've used, Megan's used, and really helped us 
grow our knowledge in this area. And we aren't afraid to help point you to other resources too, because that's what the pageant community should do. If I don't have an answer for you, I'm going to point you to five different resources of somebody who does it better than I do. And that's just pure honesty. So, um, get a fitness routine and health plan that works for you, works for your schedule. And then at the end of the day, you need to make time for it because if you're a super, super busy person and you never make time to eat right and exercise, there's no one to blame, but yourself for the reason why that is like, I'm an extremely busy person and I make time for this because I make it a priority in my life. And it starts with that decision in your mind that this is my top priority right now to get healthy or to hit, you know, certain body fat percentage, look, whatever your, whatever your goal is and hold yourself accountable to that. So the second thing I'll say about this, as far as the pageant community is concerned is know the standard of your pageant system. So you aren't surprised when you go and compete at state, at the local or at nationals. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is a lot of competitions have swimsuit and fitness. Okay. But the rules of the game, so to speak, not even necessarily what you're judged on, but that is also true. You need to follow up with the former title holder and ask that question of what you're judged on. But the rules of the game, like are patterns allowed? Does everyone wear solids? Is everyone in a specific type of swimsuit? Is it sponsored by somebody? What what are the qualifications of what they judge you on? Um, I said that earlier, what type of shoes do we walk in? What, what is the standard of success that is going to make me have a win, so to speak in my book. And that might be different for different pageant systems. Not might it is right. Some pageant systems, they are not as generous with curvy girls or plus size women. Some are, and they super welcome it. So Rather than saying, oh, this you know pageant system needs to get on board or whatever. I mean, yes, I agree with you, but find the pageant system that best fits you. And if you are somebody who's not necessarily fitting that mold, either that is your brand and you're in here to change it and own that like top to bottom, left to right, hundred million percent. But don't get mad at the system if you didn't ask the question of how to play the game before you step on it or step on stage. And then you realize when you're competing, oh, this is like the level that I actually should have prepped at. And now I'm embarrassed because I didn't do that in in the, you know, in my own time. And I mean that with like the biggest heart in the entire world, because I've been there and, you know, I was a two-time All-American athlete. I played basketball my whole life. I was thick fit is what I like to say. (laughs) And, um, I did not understand the swimsuit look, the walk the posture, the body, um, composition, everything that was necessary to compete at the level that I deeply desired. And it wasn't until I had a mentor that sat me down and was like, Hey, this is the standard that I was like, Oh, okay. I've just been missing it. Like I I wasn't healthy, but I just didn't know that that was literally how that's how hard I had to work to make this my goal. So know the system, ask those questions and then do what is best for you at the end of the day and be confident in that. Once you've made that decision and you've done all you can to research and you know that the plan is the best option for you, if you follow it to a T, then when you're competing, okay, cool. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else because I have prepped the hardest that I possibly can and I'm confident in what I bring to the table. Cool. All right, evening gown. So evening gown is often viewed as newbies as the easiest part of competition because all you're doing is walking on stage. And that could not be further from the truth. 
So you obviously can see, you can look on YouTube, um, you can look on our Instagram at different examples of a good and a bad walk and how visibly noticeable it is when someone has no idea what they're doing. Okay. And everything from your facials, your shoulders, your, your shoulders over your hips, if they're forward or back, how you swing in the S curve, where you're bending your arm, where your palms are facing, like how smooth is your walk, how you're scanning the, the audience. Can your neck go left to right up to down? What, what are you doing when you're walking? All of that is planned. All of that is planned and practiced and rehearsed. Um, so newbies need to hear that because a lot of girls are like, oh, I can slap on my prom dress and walk on stage and be good. And yes, like depending on your system, that might get you your foot in the door of winning like a local pageant or even just doing it to do it to get experience, which awesome. I love that. And a lot of people do that to, again, know the standard. So they experience one year and then the next year they go guns blazing because they understand it and they have that perspective of competing already, which is awesome. But if you want to win, there is a level of preparation that is necessary and the bar is probably set higher than you have ever worked in the past or your knowledge actually extends to. And that's me going into coach mode and being a hundred percent real with you. So the standards, overall standards of what to buy as far as a dress with evening gown, it's really good to understand that everybody has different body types. Like I was saying earlier with the fitness portion, but not every single person looks good in any style of evening gown. And you might be like, Ali, well, that's a duh, right? Well, just like, I don't know if you've ever gotten your colors done or you've seen different styles of dress dresses, obviously every girl, you have a specific wardrobe for you, right? It doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that Actually, I wouldn't even use a brain surgeon as an example because some medical people probably don't have fashion because it's not their wheelhouse, right? It's not their field of expertise, but it doesn't take a super smart person to understand what makes you feel good when you put it on and why you don't buy certain garments when you put it on in a store. A lot of times it's because it's not your color. It's not fit for your body. It's not the right style of, or cut for your body. And the same goes for evening gown, just because a store, a dress store is trying to put you in a certain color or put you in a certain style, or just because you saw your best friend wear this prom dress or this dress, and it looks amazing on her. That does not mean that's going to look good on you. And I'm sorry if that's like super harsh. But it's so true, right? I'll just take myself, me as a 6'2 woman. I am all legs. I have a 37 inch inseam, a little bit longer than that, actually. And then with my six inch heels, it's that plus six inches, right? I my legs, I always joke, are literally a human being. <laughs> it's like the size of some small women. And there are certain gowns that would just take up so much of the stage if I wore that. On the contrast of that, if you are a five foot or five foot two woman, so a petite, a petite gal, you know, there are certain dresses that will swallow you and they're not a good choice because they won't actually make you stand out on stage. They'll push you more to the background. So it's really important to know your body type, your height, what looks good on you, your colors, all those things. So a couple of things to look for, for my pageant newbies, high slit ball gown, mermaid, um, different dresses with sleeves, thin sleeves, or a thicker strap, all of those things. And that's not all of them, but it's just a couple. Um, those totally look different on different body types. So I know about two of those look good on me and the other ones do not. 
And I don't ever wear anything with that because I, I don't like the way that I feel when I wear certain types of dresses and others. I'm like, I look hot right now. And I feel like a million bucks, right? So find the dress that makes you feel that way and get, get an opinion of an expert where, you know, your colors and you know, what types of dresses look good for your body type. So do you need a defined waist or do you need a little bit more on your shoulder because maybe your pair and your hips are bigger than your shoulders, or maybe you have an upside down triangle body type where you have really, really broad shoulders and no hips. And so you actually need a little bit more at your hips to try and create that hourglass figure. So that is something that we could do a whole training over and we probably will do another podcast on that. But, um, if you've never gone on that journey to discover what your body type is, and what your colors are, I encourage you to do that because it's really empowering when you can walk into your wardrobe and not even just your pageant wardrobe, but your normal clothing wardrobe and put anything on and feel like a million bucks. So really cool thing. Second thing on evening gown is practice your walk. It's not your everyday walk. You need to practice your poses, your turns, and have a plan for how to work the dress you're wearing on stage. So buying the dress is number one, working the dress is number two, and walking is also in there as number two. So if you have a big train or a cape or something, know how to work the dress. It's not just about your walk, but what are you going to do when you pose? Are you going to throw your cape? Are you going to lift it up so the air catches it? Are you going to look a certain way? Like you're modeling the dress in that moment. And if you're uncomfortable, everybody else watching you will also be uncomfortable. Okay. So make sure that you practice that, that your, your body carriage makes sense for the, the dress that you have and you know how to show that up, so to speak on stage. Cool. All right. Last one here before I go to those optionals is on stage question. Now on stage question is very, very common in lots of different pageant systems. In a nutshell, your how to's, um, or your, your answers for that basically are your answer is under 20 seconds. in most pageants, some pageant systems, they give you an actual buzzer. So they'll buzz you if you're 15 or 20 seconds. Um, if you're over that, like at national pageants, you see that all the time on, on TV. If someone goes over, you get a little nice little buzzer and basically says, Hey, stop talking because you're at your time on smaller pageant systems. They probably won't have a buzzer, but ask about the time frame. And if you're practicing with our mock interview podcast or something like that, and you're practicing for onstage question, try and keep them succinct and under 20 seconds. So basically you have time to answer the question head on one sentence and give me a reason why maybe tie to your story. So one, two, three sentences, get in and get out. That's basically the structure of your onstage question. So be direct in answering the question and then make it personal to you somehow. That's what differentiates a bad onstage question compared to a good one or an average compared to a good one is, yeah, did you answer it? But also, did I learn something about you? And that's kind of that high level thinking of knowing what's going on before you even know what's going on and being more aware of the entirety of the conversation and the competition. And we get into that when we talk about interview and onstage question about controlling the interview and controlling the questions. That's a communication skill that is developed over time. Don't speak too fast and whatever you do, end your onstage question with confidence. Biggest tips there. All right. So the last three that I have here are talent pitch and then the fun fashion optionals national costume. So I'm going to kind of fly through these a little bit because I know these don't apply to everybody listening. So talent to start, make sure that your music is cut to the specifications of your specific pageant system. So like Miss America girls, hard 90 seconds. If you go over, I know a lot of state pageants will disqualify you. 
So do not go over, look at the seconds on it. Don't let the person cutting your music do 90 seconds point five, nine or whatever. Like don't, don't have them do that because you would hate for something so small to disqualify you. And a lot of people don't look at those details, but if you have an executive director or a judge that is very, very detail oriented and wants someone who can follow directions, what is half a second? It's just you caring for (laughs) that time period in preparation to look at that. Okay. Second tip is practice your talent in front of other people. This is a huge one because a lot of people, their nerves come up and they boil up when they're in front of people. Same thing when they're on stage. So that is hundred percent something that you can practice. And if you've never done that before, you can go to your local gym ballroom. You can go in your parents' living room, invite people over, depending on your talent, obviously, if like a dancer would not be able to do that in a living room, but do it in front of people and hear their feedback, hear how you made them feel, record yourself doing your talent. Those are all really, really good things before you get to the menu. Okay. Performing to an audience and performing to the judges is also really, 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 really important during the actual pageant. What do I mean by that? You're not just executing your talent to the caliber that you practiced. Part of that execution is drawing the audience and the judges in. So with your eye contact, with your body posture, with your movements, if you're a singer singing to the judges, if you're a dancer doing a move that's in front of the judges or to the judges, right? You're making the audience feel an emotion in that moment. And that is what makes a memorable talent. The last thing I'll say is when you're on stage, you're on, don't wait to perform until your music starts. This is a big, so for talent and honestly, any area of competition, this applies to But the moment that you step on stage, people are watching you. Judges are watching you. So when they are saying, and now candidate number zero, Ali Mancuso singing A Star is Born, whatever, whatever song in this range, she's been singing since she was three years old, like whatever the intro is that gets you to come on stage. I am, you know, my head is to the audience. I'm on, I'm smiling. My body carriage is confident everything. You're not just walking on like a sloth or whatever, bad example, but, and then you are on in your spot in the middle. No, that doesn't make any sense. It's going to feel really awkward. So regardless, if you're in swim evening gown and you're on the next up, so to speak spot in the backstage, you are on the whole time. Okay. And that's something that a lot of newbies just don't know. If you've never experienced that before, you don't have stage experience. So mama Allie is telling you that here today. So you have time to practice that and you don't have that. Oh crap moment when you compete at your pageant. So you're welcome. The next thing we'll talk about is pitch or personal platform promise in some pageants, whatever your thing is called, basically you talking on stage for an extended period of time. Biggest recommendations here, write it out, write it out. If you're using Google Sheets or Microsoft Word, it's going to catch your grammar mistakes. And a lot of times we say these things colloquially, colloquially, that's a hard word, um, (laughs) that makes sense if I'm speaking to you, but if I write it out, it does not make sense. So obviously there can be a ebb and flow sometimes in speech, but at a nutshell base level, make sure that it makes sense. Make sure that how you're saying things, the tense that you're saying things make sense in your presentation. And regardless of the length of it. So let's say it's 20 seconds, a minute, 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever. You have to have three central points. Why three, Allie? Well, I'm glad you asked. So three 
is the strongest psychological number for memory. And it's why when you watch Ted talks, it's why when you watch a lot of these people speak professionally, they center around three points because they want you to remember it any more or honestly, any less, um, sometimes one or two can work, but three, something in the brain, it makes you remember all three points. So that is what I encourage women to do. Obviously you can cut it down to two. If you have a really, really short time frame and you just want to rattle off you know, my name is this, and this is what I do, bing, bing, bop, whatever. But uh, if you have an extended period of time to express, try to write it out in three main points, because to the listener who doesn't understand what you're talking about, it's more succinct and it's packaged nicely from a listening perspective. So, and what do you have in that? Think about your purpose, your why. So why are you choosing to compete in this pageant? What impact do you want to have on the community, maybe through your platform, sponsors you want to bring on, ways that you want to market the organization, recruit new girls, all of those things I've heard in some kind of pitch or personal promise. So it's basically, here's what I'm passionate about. Here's my platform. Here's why you should pick me. Very, very basic, but that's a great place to start if you have no idea how to write something like this. And again, if you have any questions about any of these areas of competition, feel free to DM us on Instagram and somebody from our team will reach out to you and point you towards at least some of our free resources minimally. And we'd love to answer your questions about this. So the last topic I'll talk about is fun fashion optionals or national costume. So my biggest point of recommendation is ask the title holder before you what the standard is for this area of competition. That's a huge question because it could be, okay, I'm buying a Halloween costume or I'm buying or using my old dance costume that's sequence, and that totally flies and is totally fine. And I'm going to, you know, zhuzh it up a little bit. Or uh, I need to do one step above that, which is mostly the case. But I would say there is this false notion that you have to spend a lot of money on this area of competition. And most of the time, this isn't even judged. It's just an opportunity for the judges to see you. And don't get me wrong, you need to be intentional, be on, have your fashion on point, be comfortable and confident in it, be able to walk in it if you're on stage doing this, but don't feel like you have to bring, break the bank, so to speak, and drop $2,000 on this costume that you're going to wear once for five seconds on stage and not even get judged on. Like, it's not that important. Okay. And that's me being 100% real with you and giving you my honest perspective. Now, notice I said, you still have to feel confident in it and it can be a piece that adds to your overall package of what you're telling the judges and communicating the judges about yourself. And if you are super extra and want to just shine and sparkle in that element, amazing. But you don't have to drop a couple grand to have that vibe communicated to the judges is what I'm saying. So a lot of times the former title holder or the existing title holder um, that you would be taking over for has great insight on what the standard actually is, how much they spent, where they got their article of clothing, where they got their costume or whatever. And they can really help direct you towards that standard for that specific pageant. So the last thing I'll say on this is national pageants are normally a step above that. So keep that in mind. Obviously, what comes to mind is the Miss Universe pageant with all those magnificent costumes <laughs> where they have people building those for a long time and they just pour their blood, sweat, and tears into those things. Now that's Miss Universe and it's probably not your pageant system if you are something 
other than that patent system. So ask those questions and make sure you know the standards so you can budget accordingly and plan accordingly. Okay, guys. So we went through personal interview, swimsuit fitness, evening gown, onstage question, talent, pitch, or personal promise, fun fashion optionals, and national costume. And at the beginning, we went over some personal development stuff that I really, really, really hope you take to heart today listening to this. Feel free to re-listen to this, share it with a friend. If you found benefit and there's somebody else in your life that's going to find benefit from listening to this podcast, we love you guys so much. And to be honest, I wish I could have the time to coach every single one of you, but I hope you get lots of benefit from our podcast and just hearing from our own personal experience. I by no means know everything. Megan doesn't know everything. And I'm not going to ever pretend that I do, but if I can help people through where I have been, then I feel like I'm doing my job. And that's really what I'm passionate about doing. So if you are interested in some more information about anything that we talked about here today, please DM us on Instagram. And we want to get you plugged into our free Facebook group. So we do trainings every other week in there. Sometimes we have different challenges. We post different freebie trainings on different topics that are all pageant related. So regardless, if you are a newbie to pageants, probably listening to this, or you've placed top five, the last you know, five years, whatever, and you don't know what it is that's making you not win. We want you to be in that group and reach out to us. We will totally give you the resources that make the most sense for you and where you're at in your life. And a lot of those honestly can be free. So join our free Facebook group, pageant winner secrets, and you can access all of those free trainings. We have a paperwork masterclass coming up next week. And we are actually to the when this is dropping, it's actually tonight. So if you're listening to this on the day that this is dropping, Paperwork Masterclass is tonight at 4.30 p.m. And you can find that um, that webinar link in our Pageant Winner Secrets or make sure to DM us on Instagram and we can give that to you guys. So we have all the resources, guys, and we want to make sure that you succeed. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Again, my name is Coach Allie. This concludes our pageant newbie series, and I'm really, really excited for what is to come in the future weeks as far as information and training that we're giving you guys. So love you all. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode. This is Coach Megan, and uh, I just wanted to say it is 2023 in terms of the next pageant season, and we have so many new things going on at Powerhouse. We have a new brand. We have new logos. We have a new website. We have new resources for you, so make sure that you click the link below. If you are not already part of Powerhouse Club, figure out how you can save $300 per month and $700 overall by joining the best world-class pageant training in the world you cannot get anywhere else. 